If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks once again for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Hello there. Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Now, today, we will be reviewing the film The Half of It, and we will be going through part three of our 10 over 10 series with a look back at the film Battle Royale. So, just wanted to see kind of where you're at with things, Will. Uh, I know there's a lot going on. um, Oh, man. And, you know, we're going to get to some of that, but just first off, how are you doing? So, today, um, in my town, uh, was a protest uh, happening for George Floyd, Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know... I went out there actually and took my camera and decided to film a little bit of it just to kind of uh, see what kind of story they're they're trying to tell mm-hmm. uh, among the among the protesters and the ones who are hosting it. I live in Corona, and it's not a huge city, but it's not a small city either. It's just it's like maybe one hundred fifty thousand people, I guess. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to think that that a protest to happen here was kind of I was a little flabbergasted. I was like, oh, okay. But also the flyer that was posted about it um, was a bit questionable because... Yeah, you, show, you shared it with me and it made me angry, actually. Yeah, like it was supposed to be a peaceful protest, but then the acronym ACAB, A-C-A-B, I guess I was, I, I was told through the, by my, one of my friends that it was short for all cops are bastards. And I thought, okay, this is a peaceful protest, but then you're going to have that as an as an acronym to on your flyer on your flyer yeah i mean i went down there Mm -hmm. and and so i was talking to one of the officers too and and so obviously when i asked them oh have they made a perimeter like yes like police uh, accredited police department has made a perimeter around and the host the rally uh the one of the the people who put this rally together you know they're just saying we're here to peacefully protest and if you if there's anything suspicious, like, like talk to one of us in our vests or or report it to one of our officers, like one of the police officers. And uh, it was great. It was a really good, um, good beginning speech. And, and and the three people that also came out were like the chief of police was there to to speak on their behalf. The mayor came out to speak, and and a local pastor spoke. And, and they were all for the protest. And so, in opposition to kind of that whole ACAB uh, hashtag that's been going around, I mean, yeah. from what I've seen. Um, if you want to find negative news, it's easy to find. Just turn on the TV. But I think there's a lot of good going around, and I wish that there was more of that available to see on you know on social media as well as television. There's a lot of good happening out there. So, um, 100%. You know, I think there is some light to be seen at a time like this. It's just a lot of inform. It's like an oversaturated of amount of information going around, and so it takes a little bit more time to really find the facts, really look at what's happening, and knowing that there is good, there is good things happening. You know, it's weird. You know, you you go on social media, you see everyone posting their thoughts and opinions, and you wonder what you want to want to say, and you want to process what you're feeling and thinking. And um, I'm still processing, and I honestly don't know if I'll come to any sort of answers because the problems are so big and they're so rampant and so pervasive that I don't think there are any easy answers. Mm -hmm. But I have just thought of a couple of things that I would like to say, and uh, I just want to encourage everyone that it is your social responsibility um, to make sure that the information that you share on through social media is 
correct and accurate, whether you have five followers or five million followers, you have the power to invoke an emotion in in your friends and the family that that see the things that you post. And just make sure that you are aware of that. It's not just a place for you to vent. It's a place for you to influence. So just keep that in mind. Um, at an emotionally charged time like this, you know, ask yourself, what kind of a message do you want to send? That's just one thing that I wanted to say, um, you know, as I stand here on my soapbox for our listeners. The second thing I wanted to say is, I have and always will believe in the power of film and the arts to change and influence opinion. Uh, Before you take to action, consider looking in the mirror first. Uh, Consider educating yourself. Consider watching documentaries like 13. Um, Consider reading books like the autobiography of Malcolm X. Consider watching movies um, like Monsters Ball or Selma or... So many of the other films, uh, even a movie like Get Out, which kind of deals with a new type of racism today. Don't lose heart um, and just know that art has the power to change minds, change hearts. All right. Now, turning back towards the entertainment industry uh, on July 17th, uh, when the movie theaters open, every single theater will basically be, be playing one movie. And that is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Now, if people are still too scared to go out there and watch that movie, then pretty much, I mean, from what I've been reading and uh, from what insiders are saying, the film industry is literally willing to shut everything down until Christmas, which means no Mulan, possibly no James Bond film. Um, Who knows if Black Widow is going to come out? Wonder Woman 1984, that would get delayed as well. So it's just so crucial that this movie does well. When movie theaters are playing Tenet, what I am envisioning is that every screen let's say your local AMC will be playing one movie and that's Tenet. I think what they're probably going to do is every other seat in every other row that you can sit in. But then uh, the screening right after, I think they're going to alternate which every other row that you can sit in, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they have to kind of disinfect. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking if you're seating in uh, rows one, three, five, seven, for the first showing, the second showing, they're probably going to seat, sit in rows two, four, six, eight. And then unless you're sitting with like a family member, you will most likely be seated every other seat. So with that being said, the movies theaters will probably be half full. Um, but then it, so that's going to count against it. But then also at the same time, every movie theater will be playing it. So I don't know. With that being said, what do you think? Do you think it'll succeed? Do you think it'll fail? I think it's a big risk, but I think it's a good risk worth taking, and I think it will be successful. Mm-hmm. It's just good to see, you know, Warner Brothers stepping up to the challenge of bringing people yeah. back to the magic of movie theaters. I think. Yeah. So. It's just insane. I mean, we just talked about Christopher Nolan last week, and just to just the idea that the entire film industry in 2020 is all going to be looking to see how Christopher Nolan's movie performs. It's pretty insane. The the pressure that this film is under, you know? All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. It's refreshing that if when we're able to get back into the theaters and see a good film on the big screen, mm-hmm. I, I think to me, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Nolan's going to disappoint. And I'm not I don't trying think to so hype, either. I don't, I'm not trying to hype it up so high, you know, as, as to, to dis- find myself disappointed. But really, no, realistically, I think Nolan 
you know, he's going to succeed, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to perform. Yeah. And I, I think it's pretty cool that the movie that they're kind of hoping uh, brings people back in the theaters is coming from a very classical storyteller, someone that shoots on film still, someone that is pretty old school in his techniques, has an amazing sense of story, tells huge, gigantic, big blockbuster action stories but then also doesn't insult the intelligence of the, of the moviegoer. No one knows what this movie is about. And I think it's just so cool. The mystery behind that and the stakes that are involved, it's, it's pretty damn awesome, I will say. But uh, yeah. I, I am predicting success. Um, it has to succeed. You know, I think the big question to ask is, you know, are you going to see it? Or am I going to see it? Or, you know, oh, are, you, yeah. are your friends going to see it? So you're going to go to the theater, right, and check it out when it opens? I would love to go to the theater and check it out, yeah. yeah. I'm absolutely going to go. I think yeah. that it's just a good escape right now and mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. And then, the, of course, the other big question is, how will Mulan do opening 10 days later? And, you know, there's been that huge backlash against Asians and Asian Americans due, due to the COVID outbreak. And you have to almost wonder if that will affect the box office at all or if people are just going to be excited to see a Disney movie open in screens. I still think Mulan looks phenomenal. The trailer. Me too. And and sticking to the original folktale or the yeah. folklore, yeah, no of, mushu, of Mulan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry <laughs> to my girlfriend, no mushu, yeah. but yeah. it still looks beautifully done. It does. I will be in the theater on July seventeenth watching Tenant. I don't know about you guys, but I will be there. I look at our future episodes. We're we're going to change things up a little bit. So uh, next week we will be taking a look back at Back to the Future as well as another look back at the film Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, that episode is what I like to call our time travel twofer. Now, why Back to the Future? Cue the music. And since Terminator 2 was on our list, I figure why not put the two together? We can have some cool time travel conversations, maybe compare and contrast what they believe to be the foundations of time travel. Do they work? Do they clash? Do they agree? I think this could lead to some fun conversations. So, oh my gosh, dude. I'm stoked. Dude, I. I just look back in my room and I have the 25th anniversary poster of Back to the Future. Yeah, I see it. I, yeah, I'm literally looking at it right now. Yeah, that was 10 years ago that yeah. I went to theaters and I had the ticket stub still within the frame that yeah. I went to go in theaters to watch it. Wow, I cannot believe that's been 10 years now. What yeah. the heck? That's insane. That's and if you crazy. think about If you think about Terminator 2, that came out in 91. So it's been 29 years since Terminator 2 came out. That's insane. Jeez, man. I really wish they would show it in theaters again. That'd be fun. Yeah, me too. The week after that episode, we will be reviewing the film The Lovebirds, and we're going to follow that up with a look back at Spirited Away. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews on our content? We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. If any of your friends ask about us or if you want to recommend a good quality, I think we're good in quality, right, Will? If, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just actually, I'm glad right now that I've actually been able to expose you to some foreign films and yeah. what you've never seen before. I, would, yeah. uh, I don't even know if you would ever even had uh, have, the have motivation. Yeah. yeah. Me too, actually. I, I really enjoyed Battle Royale. We'll, we'll come back to that later, but <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm really glad you made me watch this film. As I was saying, uh, if you want to tell your friends about us, our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, as well as Spotify. And now on to our review of the half of it. Here is a quick look at the trailer. The ancient Greeks believed humans once had four arms, four legs, and a single head made of two faces. We were happy. Complete. So complete that the gods 
fearing our wholeness would quell our need for worship, leaves us in two. Leaving our split selves to wander the earth in misery. Forever longing. the other half of our soul. It is said that when one half finds its other, there's an unspoken understanding, a unity, and each would know no greater joy than this. Of course, the ancient Greeks never went to high school. All right, that was a look at the trailer for the half of it. When smart but cash-strapped teen Ellie Chu, played by Leah Lewis, agrees to write a love letter for a jock named Paul Munsky, she doesn't expect to become his close friend or fall for his crush. Honestly, this was quite a unique and original take on the Cyrano de Bergerac uh, story. And I know, Will, that uh, that's kind of one of the first things that came to your mind. I wanted to ask you, yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you first, what did you like about the film? It was good indie feel of a film. Love the whole indie kind of vibe to it I got from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the main focus po- focal point for this was the twist to the classic play of Cyrano de Bergerac. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twist meaning the, the, the lesbian love triangle? <laughs> that and, and just, you know, a modern day, I guess, that mm-hmm. little In high school, twist right? to it, I guess. But... Yeah. It was just so clear and apparent, the similarities, where Ellie plays the likes of Cyrano as like an intellectual, strong-willed, and gifted musician, and they, but yet they both struggle with self-esteem issues and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And then in the same way, Paul the jock like plays the likes of Christian, a dimwit with a lack of intellect. Mm. In, in both stories, the lead character helps the supporting character get the love of their life. However, both Ellie and Cyrano also have feelings for the girl they are helping someone else to get. So... I was just like, okay, all right, interesting. Let's see how, yeah. uh, let's see what else comes unravels with this. Then let's see how you know. And so, other than that, I enjoyed how yeah the cast members were unknowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actors all had chemistry and fit well with their within the characters. Completely, yeah. I really liked the quote from Ellie's father when he asks Paul, "Have you ever loved someone so much that you wouldn't want to change anything about them?" which led to the love triangle that Paul caught himself in. And, and I thought, okay, that's, that, that was like, I don't know, to me it was like an homage or like just a nice little poetic line that from Cyrano de Bergerac in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just, it was just I very so. poetic and beautifully d- executed. Yeah. So um, a quick, a quick little yeah. bit of backstory before we continue. So uh, Ellie's mother is, has passed away, and Ellie is living in a town called Squahimish with her father. Fake. Yeah. Fake. Really, I was wondering if that was real. I was, I was, it it sounds like such a podunk town in the middle of nowhere, you know. <laughs> I thought it was Canadian at first. Yeah. So, yeah, Ellie's father. Uh, Ellie lives with her father, who um, you know has like a like an engineering degree, but unfortunately can't really speak English very well. And because of that, he never really moved up and kind of doesn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of almost a shut-in, I would say. 
which kind of makes his relationship yeah. with Paul that much more unique and interesting. And it actually led to some funny, funny moments. I really like that dynamic that those two had. Even though like this, for me, like this, this film, it was actually slow and, and bland for me at first. And, and mm-hmm. I think it, I didn't think it would pick up, but like what surprised me is that it garnered just enough momentum to keep me watching, especially with the growing friendship between Paul and Ellie. I, I think that those two were very like captivating to just watch. And, and the fact that Paul, I don't know how this kid has so much energy, but continuously running with Ellie every freaking day as yeah. she rides her bike to school or home just so that he can convince her to to write a letter to this girl that he fallen he's fallen in love with. I'm like, where the freak are you what are you eating every day to get this much energy? Like this is yeah. just it was a very interesting and like just this this um unique kind of way to grow the relationship, I guess, you know, yeah, in that yeah. sense. And then they make fun of it actually. And my wife and I got a good kick out of that when he's at football practice, when Paul's at football practice and they're running laps and he's just like running circles around everybody because of all the running that he was doing, trying to talk to, uh, talk to Ellie. So I yeah, thought that was pretty dang funny. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. For you, like, did you, what did you like about it? Well, first off, I really, really, really love this movie. I have to say, um, in terms of coming really? of age stories. Yeah. I think mm. it's one of the better ones I've seen in a, a while to be honest and you know honestly that might just be because there aren't a lot of movies coming out but even if there were i think this would really stick out i mean it has a 96 on rotten tomatoes right now and i have to agree uh, that that is an accurate rating for this for this film um one of the big things i loved is that the cast is made up mostly of unknowns um and they were all perfectly chosen for their parts and they and all the characters seemed all the more real because i didn't know who who uh, like the person playing them, who they were in real life. Um, I also thought the film was directed beautifully. The director really understood and conveyed all of the subtext necessary in each scene. And there was a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of what was being unsaid. There's like sexual tension when uh, Aster had scenes with Ellie and they're talking mm-hmm. about other things, but like, like their, their attraction I, almost is what I, uh, is the natural I'm, spa scene. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I don't know exactly what to call it. Maybe attraction's too strong a word, but it, you could definitely feel the, mag- chemistry. the magnetism. Yeah, the chemistry there. Yeah, and also just that that loyalty that Paul and Ellie eventually earned from each other by just going through so much, defending one another, helping one another. That friendship felt so amazing and real and natural. And I think you know it's really really hard to tell human stories, and in this, it's pretty much like a rom com type film. Um, you know, and in, in most rom rom-coms you're kind of waiting for certain things to happen that always happen in those types of movies but i was completely left guessing here and i wasn't really sure what would happen and i thought you know that's just uh all, all that is owed to the the writer director um who i think did a really really good job in the in this movie uh, I also really in, uh, love the uh, text conversations that ellie has with aster so ellie is of course pretending to be paul and then they're having these really, truly deep conversations about art and about what makes them tick. And it was really captivating to see the level at, at which they were connecting. But when that scene that you talked about earlier, when they go to that like that natural spring or whatever, the hot spring when they're laying in there. Yeah, all of that, shows her that. Yeah. 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 All of that tension that they have together just from like texted words kind of is like bubbling just to the surface. And I thought that was really, really interesting and, and, and very convincing. They had a certain uh, innocence with it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You no, know, yeah, I was going to ask you actually. 
did you did you think that Ellie like knew she was a lesbian or do you think that it was something that she was discovering about herself? I think she knew and I think Aster didn't know. I think Aster's in that, you know, time of self-discovery. I, I think for Ellie, it's more uh, just accepting who she herself was and becoming comfortable in her own skin. I think that's her mm. journey okay. um, as a character, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What did you think? I wasn't sure. I, I just... I, when I looked at Ellie's character and just try to get a gauge on, on her developing character, I just was like, it got to a point where I think she kind of realized, ooh, like, I think I like this girl, but am I a lesbian? Like, I, I had those things going in my mind. Like, it didn't seem as though she really knew. And then for Aster, she seemed like she was more, I don't know, like, assure, assure mm-hmm. of herself. Mm-hmm. Because even though as a pastor's kid, though, she's the one that invited her to, like, the the, the, yeah. the hot, the natural spring. And, like, like, I don't know. She was more flirtatious with her than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's even true. She, I saw yeah. that, too. So I wasn't really sure, to be honest. Maybe it requires a rewatch. But yeah. it's definitely interesting. And I think it, it, a lot of it depends on how you see them film, you know, and kind of what, you're, what you bring to the table as you're watching it. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, I also really enjoyed, like I said, the portrayal of friendship between Paul and Ellie. Their bond grew organically and it was completely convincing. And it left me really emotionally touched to see how much they wanted to take care of each other. Uh, In our look back at The Breakfast Club, we talked about how the film shows everyone's need to connect and uh, that we're all a lot more alike than we think. And I think this movie really conveys that same message. Also, going back to the scenes between Aster and Ellie, they had a certain innocence, yet there was a sexual attention there. And to show both of those things, which are basically the two total polar opposites of each other, right? Innocence and sexual attention. But somehow they found a way to uh, really convey both of those. Hmm. Um, and, you know, starting with their text messages, and which showed a deeper connection than the one that Paul has with Aster. And then leading up to that, the uh, bath in the hot springs, which is just really kind of, cool and weird and nice to see two people connecting yet kind of foreign. It was all really just interesting, but I, I, I totally dug it. I, I really loved it. And I have to hand it to Alice Wu for developing that connection. Um, when they pretty much really before that only had one scene together. And speaking of Alice Wu, I thought she did an amazing job writing and directing this film. Uh, she had, she has two films on her resume. The first one was a movie called saving face that came out 16 years ago. And I actually watched it and, Similar themes here. It's about an Asian woman coming to terms with her sexuality. I thought that she was a talented filmmaker, uh, but seeing this uh, sophomore effort uh, with all the different layers and the laughs and the touching moments, uh, I could. It really feels like she's come a really long way, and I really did love this film. Um, and then I'm going to just talk about my favorite moment right now before I hand it back over to you. Um, so a little background about Paul Muncy. His family runs a meat company. And uh, he shares with Ellie something that he's created, a taco sausage, <laughs> basically a yes. sausage you put in a taco. Um, but he's Genius. too afraid yeah, and too worried to share that with his parents. So in order to get the word out about this taco sausage, it turns out that Ellie, uh, without telling Paul, has written many, many, many letters to, to maybe like food buyers or food critics and just trying to get the word out to try this thing because Ellie really likes the taste of it, even though she wouldn't admit it to him directly. So I thought that was a really, really touching moment. And that actually came right after another great touching moment, which is when uh, Ellie is playing for the uh, senior recital. And some of the bullies in the school pretty much uh, haywired her piano so that she wouldn't be able to play. 
And then um, Paul convinces Ellie to play the guitar instead, which leads her to be invited to a senior party where she gets to kind of drink and finally have like a good social time with people her age. I thought that was really, really great. So, yeah, that that's uh, kind of what I enjoyed about the movie as well as some of my favorite moments. I wanted to hand it back over to you and ask you what surprised you and maybe what you didn't like about the film. So what I didn't like about the film, so this is going to be a spoiler alert uh, just for any of you know. So if you want to skip it, skip ahead 15 seconds or so. But it was cliche on Paul's change of emotion from Aster to Ellie. I kind of saw that coming and I did not and I did not care so much for it. I just thought, oh, yeah, it, it seemed easy, I guess, for, for that to happen. So, um that was ma- that was the main thing. I also wasn't sure if they were trying to make this film like a farce genre, you know? Like, I, th- I thought, like, it, you know, it was funny, but then at the same time, like, well, like, uh, uh, but then again, like, was it supposed to be a dramatic comedy? I don't know. Like, I was kind of trying to figure out really, like, is this, because for me, it was more of a coming of age kind of a story genre, you know? But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it just seemed like it was trying to be farce. So you took that um, comment that Ellie's dad made when he yes. says, have you ever loved someone so much that you wouldn't want to change anything about them? Mm-hmm. You, so your thinking was that that influenced Paul into thinking that he cared for Ellie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, he, like for me, that was the line where he knew he can't do anything to change Ellie's heart, you know, or, or how she sees herself as, right? He can only love her for the way she is. And I thought that was, you know, a very beautiful thing. But it still didn't it still didn't help him get rid of his feelings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. I think one of the things it shows is that Paul says he was in love with Aster and then Ellie's always asking him, like, Oh, what are you in love with? And he wasn't really able to give her like a strong answer. Yeah, because so he's a was, dimwit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost <laughs> as if idiot. I don't think he understands his own emotions. And I think that, uh, you know, as we continue to talk about the plot spoiler here, I think that, uh, you know, as when he turns after that football game and he uh, tries to kiss Ellie, it just comes out of nowhere. And yeah. it just kind of shows the, the impetuousness of, of youth and how no one really knows exactly what they're feeling, right? They're just kind of more acting on instinct than anything else, right? Which so. Paul does actually express. He says, like, love is just, you know, it just it just is. It just comes out of nowhere, I think he says, in mm-hmm. one of the scenes when he says, well, what do you think love is? You know, when Ellie was trying to challenge him, like, what, you know, is that, is that all you think love is? Like, yeah, you know, it's like mm-hmm. love is also taking risks, right? I mean, what surprised me about this film, uh, it was that it really hooked me from the get-go. There is this amazing um, kind of animated opening se- a sequence yeah. where we hear uh, Ellie kind of uh, narrating. And it's uh, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like a, a crumbled paper visual animation sequence where she's kind of talking about the, the um, origins of love. And it just kind of captured me from the get-go. And as I heard her voice and saw her character, uh, maybe it was because she was Asian that I identified with her so well. But uh, I, I was hooked, and I immediately started getting into the characters, and I immediately started to really appreciate the relationships that they had with one another. I was not expecting that. Normally, it takes me a minute or two or even 10 to kind of really get into this movie, but it wasn't like that when I watched it. Now, well, it was great, though, too, yeah, yeah. because they, they took philosophical quotes, uh, whether it was from Socrates or, or other 
um, other uh, philosophers and what uh, and whatnot, like it, it kind of went off of that poetic, very insightful, deep look at what love is in that sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like when I when I first read that and I saw that, I was like, this sounds like it's gonna be adapted from a play for some reason. Mm. And then once I saw the connection, I thought ah, to Cyrano, yeah, Cyrano. Okay, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, what I didn't like was, I think, very similar to what you didn't like. And once again, I will say, spoiler alert, uh, I would fast forward this maybe a minute or so. There's a scene in the film where everything threatened to completely go off the rails. And to me, it fully came out of nowhere. So there's a big football game where Paul Munsky is a hero of the moment. And then after the game, he impulsively tries to kiss Ellie, even though he's already at this point got what he originally set out to do, which is have a relationship with Aster. And yeah. of course... I mean, this was extremely cliche is, uh, you know, when he tries to kiss Ellie, of course, Aster Ward walks in at the complete wrong moment and sees it mm. happen. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, uh, what the heck is happening here? Whenever uh, events in a movie are propelled forward by someone walking in at the exact moment to see what they're not supposed to see, to me, it always feels a little forced. And then at that moment, of course, Paul realizes from Ellie's reaction that she actually was in love with Aster the whole time. It was a lot of plot unraveling in one very quick scene, and it wasn't at the natural pace and momentum that the movie was going along with. So it, for me, it was like, what the heck? And it completely changed kind of the rest of the movie. Luckily, at least how I feel is that it recovered very, very quickly, and I thought the rest of the movie was just great. If I had to say one thing that this movie was about, and I'll ask you uh, you know, what this movie is about to you, but for me... Uh, it really is about finding out who you are and the multiple missteps that you take on that journey. I agree. I mean, I think it is a journey into finding oneself. And it's it's just it's also a cutting of age story. Whenever I feel like it, it, when it's dealing with high school students or high school teenage um, characters, uh, normally I, I feel that the that the story will always have a sense of coming of age, you know self-identity mm-hmm. like journey or something mm-hmm. going on in that sense yeah um, and uh actually i was curious uh earlier when you were saying like how you know when you know aster catches paul uh i was wondering like how could you what would you have done to flesh out that scene then to be not so quick i would have not had so much happen in one scene yeah, um, flesh it or, out a little bit more. Yeah, or before, no, not just so much flesh it out, but uh, have more lead up to that. Like maybe had Paul start to wonder if Ellie had a thing for Aster, and then maybe his thoughts were then confirmed um, in that mm. scene. So mm-hmm. you you don't see him wrestle with that question at all leading up to that. And also maybe a scene where I don't know, like the like Ellie is walking past Paul in the hall. And then Paul kind of looks at her differently and she's like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. Just uh, some scene where we see him looking at her differently. I think something like that could have kind of made that scene that I'm talking about a little bit more uh, uh, digestible. But they, but they flipped yeah. it though, right? Because yeah. it's only after he realizes mm-hmm. that that she has a thing for Aster, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he's, I don't know. I thought it, I thought it worked okay because... Okay. He was a dimwit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I will agree with you there. He's definitely a dimwit. Yeah. But a lovable dimwit. Yeah. A lovable dimwit. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, so what is your final review of the film? I, I give it three. It's it's watchable. I, I mean, the cast, when it comes to the cast, when it comes to the story, everything was, was you know, not bad in my take. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the whole uh, homage or, or twist to the classic playwright of Arsene de Bergerac uh, was was cute. I thought that was that was uh, good. Um, but I don't know, like just I guess it wasn't really my cup of tea in a sense. I mean, ah, mm-hmm. uh, Roxanne, man, <laughs> that. If I think about that film, it's like that was a great homage, obviously, to Sarah. But that's obviously on the nose, no pun intended, but literally of <laughs> of, of a of a farce, you know. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah for me, uh, I give it four stars. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, that's four out of five. Um, other than that one scene that for me almost kind of took the train off the rails, it pretty much worked. And it, like I said before, it's one of the best coming of age movies that I've seen in a very, very long time. I was really really surprised when I watched this movie at how much I loved it and how much I was engrossed. Uh, my wife also really, really enjoyed this movie. So yeah, it's definitely a recommend for me. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break and we will play for you the trailers for Back to the Future as well as for Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And we will come back with a look at part three of our 10 over 10 series with a look at the film Battle Royale. Stay tuned. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? What about DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Ah. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Just playing out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down! ...is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy... He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. ...is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. 
You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all. Look again. Stay down! Go! Now! We gotta stick together! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back. For good. Trust me. All right, we are back, and we are going to continue with our 10 over 10 series with a look at the film Battle Royale. Here's a quick synopsis. In the future, the Japanese government captures a class of ninth grade students and forces them to kill each other under the Revolutionary Battle Royale Act. Now, yes. um, that's a pretty simple synopsis, but I would have to say that this more movie is well, its more complicated, yet that simple. Like, you know, these kids are going to kill each other and one person will survive. You know, before we get into the actual review, I wanted to go over some interesting facts about this movie. And I uh, also wanted to see what your reactions were to this. Uh, first, the director stated that he wanted to make a film based on this novel because it reminded him of the time he was 15 years old and was working in a, in a munitions factory during World War II. It was 1945, and the factory came under artillery fire, and the children could not escape, so they dived under each other for cover. The surviving members of the class had to dispose of the corpses. At that point, the director realized that the Japanese government had been lying to them the entire time about the war, and he developed a burning hatred of adults and authority in general that he maintained for a long time afterwards. That's a pretty crazy story, isn't it? Holy crap. Wait, what were they lying about? The government? Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly what they were lying about, but probably uh, maybe they were told to tell their parents a different story or uh, with the artillery bombing. Uh, I'm sure that you know whatever they told the public didn't agree with what he actually experienced. And there was a lot yeah. of that happening, actually. If you watch like Flags of Our Fathers, that, the Clint Eastman movie, they really yeah, yeah, yeah. alluded a lot to that as well. Yeah. yeah, that would totally mess up a kid for sure. That would mess up a kid's mind for sure. And that's yeah. especially during that time. Yeah, so maybe that's why this movie was so damn twisted. There's definitely a very cynical take Huge. on society in this film. Uh, another thought is that the director, uh, his last name is Fukusaku, he originally opposed the R15 plus rating. Now, for those of you that don't know, R15 plus isn't like a rated R here. Uh, in America, a kid can st- still go watch a rated R movie if he's with a guardian. Uh, in Japan, if, if you get an R15 plus, you can't go whether you're with an adult or not if you're under mm-hmm. the age of 15. It's almost like a, I mean, we have NC-17. This would be, I guess, like the version of an NC-15 rating. Because of Fukusaku's experiences as a teenager, the novel's use of 15-year-olds, and the fact that many of the actors were around that same age, it was similarly banned in Germany. <laughs> mm. uh, it was said also in 2005 by representatives of a prospective U.S. distributor that Japanese execs from the Toei company were advised by American lawyers to not have this movie released in America and to not even try because they would go to jail. <laughs> and a representative for a prospective U.S. distributor said, if you cut it enough to get an R rating, there'd be nothing left. <laughs> not, Which, not surprised. I mean, just based on the violence of this movie, I would say that it's okay. But I think the fact that there are kids doing it and the rate at which they die and how they die is what makes it so bad. 
But that was like literally the stepping stone. I will yeah. go into that, but that was yeah. the stepping stone to other movies that yeah. all of you know. Yeah, that's what made it so fresh, I think. Yeah. In 2009, filmmaker Quentin Tarantino praised Battle Royale <laughs> of course as, he the, did. <laughs> as the best film he had seen in the past two decades. In fact, he cast Chiaki Kuriyama, who played Chigusa in the movie, and mm. he cast her in Kill Bill as Gogo Yubari. And, you know, as I was watching this, I was like, that was a girl from, from Kill Bill, and, and it was. Yep. So that was really yep. interesting. Really cool. I'll actually preface this by saying that the first movie on the list is actually my favorite movie that has come out in the last 17 years. All the other ones, I can't really rate them. I can't, I can't judge them as two, three, four, so I've just made it all alphabetical. But the first movie is my favorite movie of the last 17 years, and that is the Japanese film Kinji Hukasaku's Battle Royale. If there is any movie that has been made since I've been making movies that I wish I had made, it's that one. And what's funny is I see so much of this movie in Tarantino's flicks, especially those two Kill Bill movies. Didn't, don't you kind of see his uh, how he's kind of taken a lot from this movie? I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that even Tarantino gets so much inf- inspiration from from movies of Japanese cinema, so uh-huh. especially of this of this caliber. So yeah. And so here's the other thing uh, for uh, when I was explaining what this movie was about, I'm sure all of you was like, "Wait, that's the Hunger Games." And it yep. is very similar similar to the Hunger Games, but the book that Battle Royale was based on came out far before Hunger Games was even in uh, in the process of being written. So when Suzanne Collins, the author of the Hunger Games series, was asked if she had drawn from Battle Royale, she was unperturbed and said, I had never heard of that book or that author until my book was turned in. At that point, it was mentioned to me and he asked my editor if I should read it. He said, no, I don't want that in your head. Just continue doing what you're doing. She has yet to read the book or see the movie. Do you believe her? I, I have no reason not to, but okay. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, w- I hope she's, I would hope she's lying because <laughs> that's just way too easy. That's just way too close of a coincidence. Yeah. So I have to agree exactly with what you said. I have no reason not to believe her. So I will kind of pretty much believe her. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then the director died of prostate cancer while working on BR2. That's the uh, last thing. And that, that was I the unfortunate thing. Don't watch. Well, you can watch BR2. But I hadn't seen just, it, but it's not nearly as good, right? It's not. It, yeah, it fell short a little bit. Well, that was a quick look at the backstory behind the making of Battle Royale. Will and I are now going to just talk about the film itself. So, Will, I did want to tell you, uh, and I'm sure we're going to kind of not say many of the names of the students. Because it can get really confusing, right? I think there was like 40 students to start and they all had like three or four syllable uh, Japanese last names. So I was like, how am I going to keep, keep track of everybody? <laughs> but I realized it's not really necessary to keep track of them because they literally are, are getting killed off by like every single minute of the movie. It's easier to follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's much easier to follow by the end of it. Anyhow. But you also, but you yeah. also realize too that this, I believe, like it's because of Battle Royale too that you have video games such as Fortnite and um like True. cod they're yeah. all they all have battle royale segments where you yes. you know so it's and, and PUBG basically it's it's basically based off of this i agree i agree so um so will do you remember when you first watched the film and what was your initial reaction to it having rewatched it has is the movie as good as you remember it oh man so back in college i think it was 2000 and like 8 2007 mm-hmm. you know i remember how annoying 
my friend was that showed me this film. Do I know this would, friend? Uh, no, you do not. Okay. Uh, he was a fellow colleague, film colleague of mine as well. He would not shut up about how shocking, crazy, and amazing the concept was. Like he would, he was showing me the film, and he's like, "Oh, oh, this is the part." This, and he would shake me, and I'm like, I, "Can I just watch this?" <laughs> I, I I can't stand watching movies with people like Pat. By the way, I just have to say, <laughs> but like it was. You know, I will admit it was a bit entertaining too because, he, like, it's just the way he was expressing himself. He was just like a kid in a candy store, but like seeing people get blown up and, or killed or just gnashed, it was just, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. It was hilarious but annoying at the same time. But you know, watching it a couple more times, you know, then and now, it, it still holds up to be a shocking, intense, and an awesome film. Uh, the Japanese cinema has always pushed the envelope, and and the filmmakers have the most out of the box imagination. Uh, however, though, like their stories always have depth beyond the simple plot, like character relationships. It's kind of like their horror mo- movies, right? They always push the envelope, but they always have like an extra layer of of dimensionality to all. There's their films. so yeah. much. There's so many elements still a part of it. You know, it's not just scary. It's more. It's like there's there's some psychological or something philosophical about what they do when it comes to Japanese films in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character relationships and plot points, like they always have a twist of philosophical or psychological elements that really garner your attention and make you think a little deeper about what you're seeing. And so in Battle Royale, like we have a turmoil happening in modern day Japan with high unemployment rates and a major recession, which led the government to pass the BR Act to control Japan's unruly youth. They are picked at random and are left to fight the death on an island until one remaining stands. And what I enjoy about this film, as many other Japanese films, is that they are so good at developing characters and having audiences really get an insight of who these characters are. I think it's one of the main traits to Japanese writing. Uh, I think it's I think because I see it all the time in many Japanese films and even in their anime, like especially in their anime. If you ever yeah. watch any Japanese anime, they really, really take you back on each character, who they are, where they come from, why the way they act, how they uh, how they are now, and the tr- and and the character arc they're going through with you know who they're engaging with yeah. at, in in the current state, which is just like a lot of information. But I love it. So, Will, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I am not really as much into anime. I know that you are. Uh, Is this movie essentially an anime story come to life? Or is it something that's kind of far different than the type of stories that we see? It's like an anime movie come to life, sure. Like Uh I can can 100% see this film animated. Okay. And and have the same effect, have that same depth for Mm -hmm. sure. Got it. You know, it's, it's, it's as if they don't just want to tell you a great or shocking story but really invest in the characters as a part of it. You know, they really mm-hmm. want you invested. And I thought, you know, I, and I love that. And you know me, I, I, I do love character development. I really, it, it's one thing to have a great story to tell, but it's another thing to really get involved with who is a part of that story. What, mm-hmm. what people or person that is a part of that story. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that, you know, it's because of those people or person that really make the story develop into something that we can all learn from or we can we can uh, see a different perspective from or or get shocked you know in mm-hmm. general from so yeah yeah but i know this was your first time watching it and i'm just so excited to hear what your thoughts were i'm going to kind of offer my thoughts as i go through some of the more major events of the movie don't worry i'm not going to spoil anything 
Um, so I heard about this movie before, but it was mostly in conversations after the Hunger Games was released. Everyone would say, oh, you like the Hunger Games? Oh, have you seen Battle Royale? Oh, you should check that out. I want to hear what you think. <laughs> it was mostly in that context that I had heard about this film. Um, when I actually saw it, of course, it was far more graphic and crazy. Uh, I am still not sure yet if I think this movie was better than that one or not. But having finally seen it, I could say that the movies are extremely similar, uh, but completely different in tone. And beyond the premise, they are very much different in in uh, in terms of the plot. Um, to be honest, the movie started a bit rocky for me. I was overwhelmed by the number of students that I felt like I had to get to know. Uh, I think there's about 40 of them. But as soon as they got on that bus and they were knocked out and they woke up on that island with collars strapped to their necks, I was... <laughs> fully in i was like what the heck this is this is getting crazy um normally exposition scenes can be really clunky what if it just is explained with like a kid asking a question and someone answering it it can be pretty like it could be pretty hard to get through but this wasn't the case because the story that they are giving you is just so damn twisted it's mm-hmm. like yeah i don't know if, if for for the kids out there listening i don't know what it was like when you watch movies in school but when i was in school uh, and it was movie day or when we got to watch a video for class, they would like wheel out like a cart with like this old tube TV on it. They would yeah. pop in a VHS tape and then we would have to watch something. And that's kind of how these kids are given their instructions for what they're going to do on this island. And the host on the TV screen is like this really excited, overly happy uh, Japanese chick. <laughs> and uh, it was just hilarious how happily she was telling them that they're going to kill each other and fight to the death at the same time it was completely eerie and just completely balls to the wall crazy and then that's so japanese though that is literally japanese culture that's how that's how they explain a lot of things in terms of just excitement and 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 joy yeah even even if it is nuts <laughs> yeah she wore what essentially looked like a halloween costume and she was like you're gonna kill each other yeah and then the guy that brought them to the island who's named katano we all of a sudden were reminded how serious this is when he himself kills two of the uh students in the class uh before you know they're told to go out and start killing each other off the scene that i really really loved was when each of the students are being released into the wild before they would basically start killing each other um they, it was almost like a roll call or, or like a starting lineup of a basketball game where they would call the kid's name. He would run out of the group and he would get thrown like a, a duffel bag. And in that duffel bag would have all of his contents he would need to survive. A weapon, um, equipment, other things. I'm not sure. They, they don't reveal everything that's in there. But as they're calling the kids out and as they're running forward and grabbing their bag before they head out into the wild, I am literally thinking, oh, yeah, this kid's going to make it. It's like, oh, that chubby kid, he's not going to last very long. <laughs> and it's almost like I was in my head kind of like taking You're being bets. You're so twisted, bro. Yeah, yeah. You're getting into it. I was totally getting into it. Like it was like some sort of crazy reality show. And then I was like, what am I doing? These are kids. And I started to feel guilty. And then at the same time, I was thinking, oh, that's what they want you to think. They yep. want you to be like, okay, this kid's going to live. This kid's going to die. And then the filmmaker wants you to be reminded of how twisted this is. And then I started to realize what this movie really is about is he's taking a mirror and putting it on you and just kind of showing you the ugliness 
<laughs> that's inside of your heart and that that's the ugliness inside society's hearts. And at the like same you're time, actually a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. And, and then he's actually taking you on a fun ride as he proves to you what a terrible human being you are, you know? And then, uh, you know, once they get onto the Island, the deaths come fast and furious. And I love that as, as each person died, there was like a screen that would pop up that says how many kids are left. And I thought that was really cool. And then after a while there, this movie became like a social commentary for me where it felt like an evolution of Lord of the Flies where we see the worst and the best in characters. I mean, there were some kids that were committing suicide because they refused to kill other people. Now, I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but we see the full gamut of uh, people wanting to kill for sport. And we see that in like that transfer student that was completely badass, I would have to say. And then we see the total opposite and and total pacifist that would rather die than hurt other people. Yeah, other than that, I I would have to say, I just really, really, really love this movie in the middle. Uh, Every kid had like their own special scene. They all had backstories. Uh, We saw the best and worst in students. Uh, They were all identifiable in their own ways. Uh, I will have to say there is one scene that was completely nuts. And there's a scene in the lighthouse where basically these girls have kind of holed up in there. And they are so friendly with one another. They're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do anything bad. You know, uh, this might be our last day together, but we we refuse to, to hurt one another. And let's just say that by the end of the day, uh, through some miscommunication, uh, it, gets twisted. It, it gets twisted and then it just explodes in violence and everyone dies. And I was like, oh my gosh, that, that was insane. And honestly, I, I'll, I'll be honest, maybe I am a sociopath. As much as I was grimacing and I felt guilty, I was also laughing and I, I was also completely horrified at what I was seeing. But yeah, it, it was pretty damn, it was a great scene. So Please tell me you watched this with Hannah. I watched that scene with Hannah. She wouldn't watch the rest of the movie with me because it was so graphic. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, I wanted to say uh, that the end, though, was a little bit disappointing. It kind of dragged on, and it went out with a whimper instead of a bang, but that's okay because the time spent on the island made up for that. And this was honestly one of the most visceral film watches ever. You really feel everything in the gut. Like you're like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. I was literally like it's being ripped out yeah. and, and like cut open. Yeah. And then you're laughing and then you get hit in the gut again. And it's yeah. just yeah, you felt everything. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, Will, uh, what was so fresh about this movie when you originally saw it? And with it being twenty years old, does it still hold up today? Uh this film was it's still fresh because it's just spoke major volumes in my book in it that it drew a global cult following and even praise from Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Not only did this film take a huge risk from a political standpoint, but involving juveniles from a school system and placing them in a fight to the death. Like, um, what? Like, you would say only sociopaths would think of a story like this. It shocked audiences. It created visuals that most people wouldn't think of or wouldn't even want to think of. If anything, it has pushed filmmakers further to take bigger risks. And as we all know, Hunger Games was one of them, mm. even though she said, oh, I didn't ever heard about a Royale. Oh, I, I no, I've never seen the film. Like, innocent until proven guilty, I'll give her that. But I don't know. It was just <laughs> too close for coincidence. Yeah, the, the jury is definitely out on that. Um, for me, yep. the film does still hold up, but not for the reasons why I think you might think. Uh, when I watched the film, it looked clear enough, but it almost didn't look like it was shot in HD. 
and it didn't look like it was shot particularly well. But I almost think that added to what I was watching because in a movie like this, uh, in terms of the way the film looks and the themes that it deals with, the almost like the the lo-fi nature of the visuals gave it a certain timeless feel and that tied in perfectly with the subject matter. It almost felt like I was watching something like pulpy and kind of like old school and kind of forbidden and out of the past. So when you watch it, it almost teleports you there. And in doing so, you're not really judging this film on, you know, the way you would judge like something being shot today. So I thought that it almost did a better job um, transporting me um, rather than making me kind of frame my review on this film, uh, you know, comp- and comparing it to uh, movies that are coming out today, so it, it very much works like the way Japanese horror works. I know I mentioned that previously, um, but they really go for the jugular and they don't pull any punches. Um, they, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, and this movie, as well as a lot of Japanese horror films, of course, have inspired a lot of popular American films and works. Uh, yet most of the copycats that America makes seem to be watered down versions of the Japanese movies, albeit more polished. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think Japanese cinema will always have a place, uh, and they, in a lot of ways, inspire us. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like they have an edge that can't be reproduced. <laughs> and so because of that, I would say yeah, this movie definitely still holds up. All right. Now time to nitpick. Is there anything is there if there's anything in the movie that are that is weak or that you didn't like, I think it's it's a good time to bring that up now. Starting with you, Will. Very very small. Nothing really much out of it, but it it, it did seem odd that the students did not know what was going on, unless it was targeted to show how naive and unaware teenagers are because they don't care about news or what's going on in the adult world. They're just kind of living in their own world and their own life, and so. I kind of thought, okay, I can, I'll allow that kind of excuse in my head to is pass. That, is that what you thought when you first saw the movie in, in college? No, when I first saw the movie, I was just like, what in the total F? He just killed the student with a freaking knife right in between the eyes. <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah. I couldn't think of anything else, but like, what is this chaos? It was just chaos going through my yeah. mind when I first saw it. Everything else... Because of that, everything else, like it didn't matter whether it made sense or not. I yeah. was just like, what the heck's going to happen next? So that was my one major nitpick with the film as well. Uh, I mean, if they are trying to instill fear into the youth of America, you would think that this would be like televised or um, that people would know about it. And I think, I mean, if I was a kid and I had heard that they're sending, you know, my classmates or people my age to an island to kill each other and that if I'm bad that I'm next, I think I would start to act a little bit more appropriate, you know? So I think just the fear aspect of of this would have kept the kids in line. And to see that the kids that were brought to the island had no idea what was happening, that was really, really weak to me. And I understood that the kids almost... It was better for them not to know because as they were learning the rules of the island, the movie watcher could then learn the rules along with them. But I just thought that was really weak. That's definitely one area where the Hunger Games excelled because they built an entire mythology on why the games exist. They built a mythology on what happens to the victor. Uh, They talked about how it's treated like a reality show and how it's like televised to the world. So I thought that is definitely one area where the Hunger Games is better than Battle Royale. All right, uh, so uh, we're going to do one more little section here before we close things out and uh, wanted to play Fact or Fiction. It was a big hit last week, so we're going to do it again with Battle Royale, but we'll limit that to just like three three points here. 
So, fact or fiction, Will? Battle Royale is better than The Hunger Games. Ooh, well, Battle Royale, I I will say, is slightly better than The Hunger Games for okay. me. Okay, okay. Yes. What about uh, you? I would say fiction, but barely. If we're basing this off of what happens on the island after Katniss gets there, and what happens on the island after the, the students in Battle Royale get there, Battle Royale is a better movie. Mm-hmm. But the mythology surrounding um, what happens... And also what happens at the end, I, I thought Battle Royale lost momentum uh, towards mm. the end, and I thought Hunger Games did not. But it's so close. It's like really, really, really close there. But if I had to compare Battle Royale to some of the sequels, for example, Catching Fire, Catching Fire to me is the best movie in their Hunger Games series, and that one far trumps Battle Royale. So, Which I understand because, I mean, it was a three-part series. So was it a three-part series uh, for Hunger Games? It was a three-book series that they turned into a four-movie series. Yeah, Four-movie series, yeah. I mean, I think that if the director was still alive, it's kind of an unknown, you know what I mean, of, mm-hmm. of how he could have fleshed it out in the second one, you know, in a better way and to kind of be able to explain more maybe for the first part. But like I said, I would say it's fact, but very slightly, very okay. slightly. Yeah. Got it. Fact or fiction, point number two. Had the director survived long enough to finish Battle Royale 2, it would have been just as good as Battle Royale 1. Fact. <laughs> Fact. It would have been just as good. I think I think he had something going there, and I believed... I, for me, I like to kind of be an optimist and think that this director, with a, such a strong um, first movie, that mm-hmm. and, and just the way he thinks and the way he... And, and his background, you know, of what he experienced... Uh, during like World War Two, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would say that he he has a lot of fire in him. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff that he could have fleshed okay. out. Okay, from what I know about Battle Royale Two, uh, the premise of Part Two didn't change from what the original director had intended. And to me, it's one of those situations where I feel like just the premise of Two automatically would have made it less effective than uh, Battle Royale Part One. So I would ha- I would think here that Battle Royale Two would have been better than what we ended up getting, but I still don't think it would have been good as part one. I thought one was lightning in a bottle, caught everybody off guard, um, and, and just was, the idea was so fresh, and the idea for two was, to me, something that, like, maybe the Wachowski, the Wachowskis tried to do with the second Matrix movie, mm. and, you know, to me, it just shouldn't have been done, but anyway, that's my thought. Got it. All right. Last factor fiction point I want to ask you is, Suzanne Collins really had never heard of the Battle Royale book or the movie. <laughs> and this is spe- purely speculation, Will, between you and me. Fact or fiction? Uh, man. I'm just going to say what I want to say. Okay. Even though, I know the, even though I know the truth of it. But I would like to say uh, fiction. <laughs> she knew. She knew. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she knew it. Stop lying. Just, Stop and lying. Honestly, honestly, uh, just for shits and giggles, I'm going to say uh, fiction as well. <laughs> she knew. She knew. She knew. You knew the entire time. Just You well. are the father. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. All good. No, and honestly, we're just joking around. Like, honestly, yeah. I, I, I'll believe her. And, uh, you know, it, we're just having some fun about the whole thing. It's kind of like, you know, back when Armageddon had come out and Deep Impact had come out. There was room for two asteroid movies in the same year. It's totally fine. Not a big deal. You know? <laughs> Anyhow, finally, give me your rating of this movie, Will. Oh, man. Four out of five, man. 
Okay. Why? Yeah. Freaking speechless, man. You talk. I mean, what a what a stepping stone for for such a shocking, crazy film. Um, I think that this was something that very very much inspired the new wave of uh, for filmmakers to to take the next step of pushing the boundaries. For like ultra violent movies. I mean, you can say it's ultra violent, or I mean, for me, it wasn't the fact the fact that it was ultra violent, but they were able to take. Like just such crazy scenarios, kids having to kill each other because of a falling govern, a failing government. You know, like who the freak thinks like that? And yeah. and and even more so to to make a film out of that, and and all of a sudden having it get such praise as it did and yeah. success as it did. Yeah. So I have to agree with you here. I also give the food the film four stars. I was vacillated between three and a half and four stars and was about to give it a three and a half but i just the originality and ingenuity of this film um uh, you have to give it extra points for that uh, for me like i said it took a while for the movie to get going but once you get to the island and it happens pretty quick uh it was amazing it was berserk and it was a wholly unique movie watching experience i don't know if i've ever seen anything like it the movie was horrifying yet funny it was dead serious and yet corny, and yet everything was totally badass. So, mm. yeah, I give it a four stars as well. Nice. Yep. Nice. So if any of you did want to watch Battle Royale um, or catch up with it, or maybe you haven't even seen it yet, you can go ahead and download Voodoo. It's actually available for free on the app. You do have to watch a few ads in, in the middle here and there. It's but worth it. All right, so we'll be back next week, like I said, with our time travel twofer. We will be taking a look back at the films The Back to the Future as well as Terminator 2. We'll see you then. Stay safe, everyone, and uh, hope everyone has a peaceful week. Yes. Good night.